Summer Rays, the unofficial Home and Away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavanagh, where I take a weekly look at the trials and those many tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week I do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas like, is taking your kid away from his dad a really good idea? Or is it a crime to have an affair with your boss's wife? <laughs> Get ready to feel closer each day to Home and Away. Before I get started, I have some big, exciting news this week. Summer Bay's podcast is now on Instagram. Woo! <laughs> Finally. So you can find the page. It's just at Summer Bay's podcast. And I'll have bits about the show, bits about the podcast. So I would love if you could give me a follow. And also, Summer Bay's is a no-spoiler podcast. So I don't look ahead of the plot lines or watch episode previews or descriptions. I really recommend you do the same. It's a total game changer. The twists and turns are unbelievable when you don't see them coming, I must say. Try it for a week and see, and see how you get on. Right, so there's just so many gasps this week, I actually don't really know where to begin. Oy, it's just it's just such a content rich week so you have a certain number of storylines feeding into the Taylor and Colby Angelo plot that we'll get to in a second so you have Bella and Dean and a smidge of Willow all feeding into it and I just felt so bad for Dean this week and the anger that he has towards Colby has only gotten deeper the rift is only wider so he's saying like he wants Colby to rot in hell And it's just so unforgivable what he's done. And I suppose Colby is like the physical representation of everything that's gone wrong in Dean's life, which is very true. He doesn't have Ziggy. He doesn't have Jai. And I just kind of thought, I stupidly thought at the beginning of the week when Amber was just being like weirdly nice and it kind of felt like maybe Jai was pressuring her that he wanted to see his dad and he wouldn't shut up about it and da-da-da. So it seemed like Amber was kind of unwillingly letting Dean back into their lives after he kidnapped their son. But even with their heart to heart, it just kind of seemed like she was on board with things. But then that cryptic goodbye with no school uniform on, so it kind of meant that they were leaving town. So, And I just felt so bad for Dean when he was in those all those desperate voicemails to Amber. And in that final phone call where they kind of say goodbye and Dean gets so upset and it's like the last thing he's going for him. And I'm glad that Amber shared that like, oh, look, it's too toxic between you and mum. I have to go out on my own here. But I just don't think Amber was right. That is so not the right decision. It's a right decision for Amber. Yeah, it's irrational. It's, it's not thought out. She's being very stubborn about it and very righteous for Jai and kind of putting him first but like in the long run it's not really the right thing to do and kind of saying stuff like oh if Jai wants to reach out when he's older he can but you can't you can't just introduce a dad into your kid's life and then go actually no I take it back you people can't unlearn these things and Jai is definitely going to be asking loads about it and you can't just then be like oh, he'll just forget about his dad for a while. And poor Dean, because he definitely feels straight back to square one. And I just do feel so sorry for him and that whole Riverboy mentality. Like every time they try to make their lives work or they, it feels like things are on the up, 
just something comes back, clips their heels and the house of cards just comes down. I just feel so bad. No wonder he's so good at spiralling. Like you would be feel so discouraged. And I think Amber, morally it's the wrong decision, but I expect nothing more from Amber. Of course, she's going to do that, but it does feel really final. So I really do hope she sees straight or Dean's able to find them. And Dean is kind of coming from a place of like extreme desperation. Like this is the last piece of happiness in my life. It needs to work, but also it is his son. So, yeah, so it's just terribly sad, terribly sad. I just can't believe she left and she left without the mum's consent. I wonder, does this mean that Francesca's just not in the plot anymore? Or do Francesca and Dean come together to try find Amber and Jai? I don't know. That could be very strange. I kind of hope that doesn't happen. So in one part of the family, we have Dean crumbling. And then on the other side with Bella. So she's left with this decision about moving to New Zealand and what to do. And even though she says no, you can really tell how much she wants to go. And she she has to save her brother. And then the real person who I feel sorry for in all of this is Ryder. Because his entire friendship group is now crumbling around him. It's just about to fly and fly into New Zealand and be gone. And even John is noticing that he's no pals. So then after Colby goes off the rails, Bella's like, buy me a ticket now. So I wonder, will they go? It's kind of this will they, won't they vibe. And they've been talking about it for a long time. Maybe they will. I don't know. But it's so classic of Bella not to tell Colby. And thankfully, Mac is like, hang on a minute. Why doesn't Colby care that Bella's leaving? And that is such a valid point because, well, one, he doesn't know. And because Bella hasn't told him. So it's just like they're both just as bad as each other. And now I really do feel like Colby's going to find out through... Ari's note under the door and that's obviously going to be another shouting match. But through all the stuff that Colby is doing, you can understand why they're all now kind of detaching from him because he's acting so irrationally as this week has proven. So Andrew Smith, a.k.a. Senior Constable Colby Thorne, has been exposed. Love the pseudonym Andrew Smith. It's just great. Like, imagine having to come up with a name. You're like, okay, I need to cheat on my partner. What name will I choose? Something random, but also very generic. But we'll just rewind a second. Angelo has copped on that the affair is going on. He's crossing his T's and he's dotting his eyes on this whole affair. And so then it's so awkward between him and Taylor. And he's getting calls from the motel while they're having afternoon tea in his office. And I just don't really understand the logistics of this whole affair hasn't really come into play. Andrew's hardly doing all-nighters all week. So how come he isn't noticing that there's no wife in his bed? Like, that's a pretty risky game. If you were having an affair with someone, you'd have to be guaranteed your husband wouldn't go home. So... I don't know why he's having to bug her necklace to find out about this affair. But the biggest gasp, I think, came from Angelo's confession to Bella. How rogue. So I just didn't expect that at all. I don't know. Is he using it? He hardly wants a heart to heart with a 19 year old girl. But he's obviously using that information to create a wedge between Bella and her brother. And even though 
Angelo doesn't know that Bella already knows about the affair. It's kind of working because then when Colby finds out that Angelo knows about the affair, he goes into mode of, no, 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 that's a bluff, into, yes, I'm going to use this as an excuse to find out more information about this case. So I think at that point, Bella was like, check out, get me out of here eject button I'm going to New Zealand and you can totally understand then the second biggest gasp comes after Taylor gets in the keys he breaks in but then he's caught I just did not I, I don't know I just didn't see it coming for some reason and when Angelo confronts Colby going through all the evidence which Colby has already gone through himself and I don't know I just found that whole expose of the affair a bit of an anticlimax. Okay, I didn't see the whole confession to Bella. But then Bella tells Colby, so Colby's ahead of Angelo. It's less of a surprise to Colby. And then they enter into this mad cop mind game sequence where Colby's all like, do you enjoy this sort of thing? Like, it's not a crime to have an affair. What are you going to do? Charge me for stealing your wife? Side note, out of context, that's a hilarious sentence. But he really just wears it. He's kind of proud of it. And so fair play to Angelo for still being able to see Colby's guilt, being like, no, 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 this is the timeline. You're the murderer. Like he was still able to put aside his emotions about the affair and see the wood from the trees and go, no, 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 this is what you're at. Because I definitely thought the affair and cracking that part of it was distracting Angelo from the case. I didn't think that he'd be able to sift through the emo- like the emotion and the betrayal and the hurt and the deceit of your wife cheating on you. It was great that he was able to differentiate that from the murder case. But all in all, it is pretty embarrassing for Angelo because like, I feel like Kobe kind of flipped the argument and turned the tables when he was like, oh, do you want the whole station to know I slept with your wife? Like, that is a bit embarrassing, like, big detective coming into town and then his he's lost his wife. So that's not great. And then when Angelo confronts Taylor with Colby watching, of course, I thought she had actually a bit more bite to her. Like, she fought back against Angelo a lot more, saying, like, what do you expect me to do? I want to feel appreciated and acknowledged and that somebody knew I existed. But Angelo really gets in her head saying stuff like, look at the timeline, look at that timeline. He got interested in you, made friends with you when he got kicked out of that case. Has he ever asked about it? And zinger of a line going, congrats, you exist and you're sleeping with a murderer. Again, another amazing line out of context. Fabulous. But it does work because Taylor spends a night on her own and then the next day, Taylor confronts Colby about the murder and all about the timeline. And just when we think... We're getting Colby to confess to Taylor all about the murder. His spidey senses kick in and he's like, now that necklace is bugged. And a plop, it goes into the ocean. Now Taylor and Colby are in such a horrible position because they seem to have made it through the affair that they could kind of actually be together as a couple. And he's saying like, I love you. And she's thinking that he's used her. So I wonder, will Colby be able to come back from this? But it begs the question, are you allowed to fall in love with someone who you were also trying to de- <laughs> trying to deceive? So I feel like he's able to love her. And I think that they actually have found something quite pure, but it's completely, the foundations are all lies and 
I don't know if there is much saving to it, but I kind of feel sorry for them because it is, they do make such a lovely couple. But in essence, Angela's right and she is sleeping with a murderer. to Rue so she's returned under some mysterious circumstances she spends the entire week avoiding Marilyn's questions Marilyn's nosiness even though Ryder Leah everyone are being like please it's none of your business just back off but obviously Marilyn can't do that and I'm so happy to have Rue back I really am I love her dearly but my god is she stubborn just like her father who we'll get to in a second but it is interesting, like, she's avoiding him, she doesn't know where he is, but he keeps calling her, what is going on? And then when Alf returns, even better news this week, then he's pressuring her to tell them what's going on, and she's like, I don't know where he is. So they're on this road trip, and then he just abandons her. Classic Owen, I just hate those two brothers, those Owen and Evan brothers, they're just so flaky. They better not have hurt my Rue. Again, okay, so then from one stubborn steward to the next, we have Alf putting all this pressure onto Martha to sell her Marimula home and move to Summer Bay permanently. And as Justin points out, did you not talk about this before you got married? But I'm loving how Martha is calling him out on his stubbornness and her saying like, look, I'm losing out my independence and you're, are you just always used to getting your own way? They seem to keep going around in these circles and obviously I don't think it's, I don't think they're in trouble by any stretch, but I just like how now Martha is putting Alf, not back in his place, because obviously Alf deserves the world, but she's challenging him on stuff that he should not be pressuring her to to sell the place. I know obviously he wants her more permanently in Summer Bay, but at the same time, you got to respect your wife and her needs. And I love how Martha gets the team talk from Irene being like, talk to your husband. And then Alf gets his team talk from Justin, who's like, talk to your wife. But considering Justin can be great for a DMC, like a good old chinwag, he is such a terrible patient. My my word. Him and Leah were having that argy-bargy at the beginning of the week. like, And he doesn't want to be seen as a patient, which is fair enough. And, you know... He wants her to go about her normal life and that's fine. He doesn't want her to rearrange her life or anything like that. But like, you also have to be there able to receive help. But when he gets his back spasms and he's like, I'm not going to the hospital. It's like, you are going to be paralyzed. How many times do doctors need to tell you that if you do not board this ambulance, you will be paralyzed? It's like, obviously, I would live in a hospital if they were telling me that. But that back spasm somewhat popped the love bubble that was going on between Tori and Christian. So they're doing yoga on the beach. They're doing, Tori's doing her worst cooking. They're staying up all night. They're laughing loads. It's so, so pure until Justin Spasm arrived. So then it sparks fights between Christian and Tori. You can understand why she wants Christian to support her, but it's just too complicated with the whole work thing. I don't know. And I also loved where he's like, oh, so we had a first fight. And she's like, oh, that's so cute if you thought that was a fight. Was like, Whoa, that was a fight story. But he's such a great influence on her, getting her to see, open up about her guilt over Justin's surgery and getting her and Justin to make up. So long live Tori and Christian, even though he wore shorts, a T-shirt and a denim jacket on the beach. That is just too confusing messaging. Are you cold? Are you hot? 
Why are you wearing trousers? Why are you wearing this big woolly jacket? The Christian styling keeps me entertained no end. And finally, the girls' trip has returned. Ziggy and Willow, the crime, now professional Willow, and they come back to some terrible news after Tani confesses about the drugs and if he doesn't come up with $25,000 in two days, he's going to be dead or his family will. And I just don't really believe when he tells Ziggy to just walk away after all the stress that that has caused over the last like week or so. I really don't think Ziggy can walk away, but she seemed pretty happy about it. She was like, okay, yeah, I'll go. Like, it's pretty serious. And they're clearly going nowhere because of the little visitor that Matt gets assault. So TikTok time is running out. Oh, God, Tane knows how to get himself into a pickles. Oh, so I would hate me, Tane, because I assume Ari's going to find out next week. That's just going to be painful. Well, that about wraps it up for me this week. What a week it was. I'm still gagging. Big thank you to you for listening. And if you want to get in touch, you can head over to Instagram at Sorbet's Podcast. G'day, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.